Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. So welcome to the ITAM Review radio show. Uh, today is a special episode with a special guest that I'll introduce you to in a second. Uh, but first of all, I'd like to introduce Kylie and Brett. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hey, Martin. And um, best of all, I'd like to... to Welcome, Richard Spithoven. Welcome, Richard. Thanks for having me, Martin. And if I remember rightly, you were on our very, very first podcast. Um, oh, that's really cool. That's exciting. About, about Oracle licensing. Surprise, surprise. And I, I'm just trying to think when that might have been, actually. I'll have a look. Crikey, O'Reilly. Can you guess when it was? Can you guess when our first podcast was? 2015 is my punt. 2007. It was six years ago. Wow. So 2014, 2015. Oh. Um, so episode number one in the archives was Richard uh, and, and we dug into all things Oracle. Um, so Richard, we, we've invited you on because there's some very special news about Belay, um, and we'd love to talk to you about it. Um, but maybe before we before we start about the news and what's happening in the industry and so forth, can you just tell us for those that have never heard of Belay, how would you describe how would you describe the company and what, what do you do? Sure. So Belay is a SAM managed service provider that was actually founded almost twelve years ago um, by Mark von Wolfer, who is my current business partner, and Patrick Defier, um, and they actually were former Oracle auditors that actually started to realize themselves that there is a huge demand in the market in terms of customers having a requirement to understand how software licensing works, uh, especially for Oracle. Now, I joined that company six and a half years ago as one of the partners. Patrick left in the meanwhile. Um, and since then, we've been expanding the team to a group of 40 team members that are delivering software asset management services or software license management services, mainly focused on the complex publishers like Oracle, IBM, and SAP. Uh, for a lot of customers across the globe, uh, where we support them in audits, uh, contract renewals, contract negotiations, managed services, uh, you name it. So I, I know you personally for Oracle, and you very kindly helped us uh, with Oracle licensing training for Lisa, and you've followed us around the globe as well with um, conference in the US and conference in Australia. Yeah. And if, in fact, I remember one of my memories is you uh, missed, I think you missed a transfer and you <laughs> arrived off a plane from Australia and walked straight into the training course for Oracle licensing, which is a, another, another level of hardcore. Um, I can tell you, after that training, I was completely dead. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I missed my flight in China, and then I, I, I think I slept for two hours on the plane, and then I just straight from the airport, went into the Oracle licensing training for eight hours, and I just drank a lot of coffee, and then after that training, I was dead as hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Cool. That's dedication, sir. Yeah. But the good thing is, actually, since then, I have quite a number of customers that actually reach out to me afterwards to say, hey, Richard, we have issues. Can we further engage with you? So it was worthwhile the effort. Cool. So you mentioned um, ex-auditors. And, and, and did you mention how many, how many were in the team you like, like as of now? How, how big is the team growing? Yeah, so it's roughly 40 people uh, where we have, actually our headquarter has always been in the Netherlands, uh, but we have our center of excellence in Romania where the heart of our company is, where all the technical and contractual data crunching is happening, so to say. 
Uh, and next to that, we did have uh, or do have an office in the US, in Boston, which is more of a sales office, one in Hamburg uh, to serve the German market and one in Sweden, in Stockholm. Uh, so yeah, so we've been uh, expanding ourselves and it actually shows a lot on how many customers are struggling with the same problems because yeah, when I joined, we were with seven people, then we expanded ourselves as, a, as an independent of completely self-funded company to that level, given the amount of customers that reach out to us proactively to say, hey, we have challenges with our software licensing, please help. And you're a mixture of, um, you're delivering services, but there's also some IP you've built as well, right? Correct, yeah, because apart from the services that we've been delivering, what we've said from the beginning is that um, if we looked at uh, all the different tools and solutions that were on the market, then we did see that there were quite some challenges in the market. So, for example, uh, big customers that need to have a structured way of gathering data is always a hassle. So we set up the whole Zinc workflow system, which is a system that supports customers to gather all the information for different publishers and different product groups within a publisher in a structured manner, the same way as the publishers would do as well when they would do an audit. And on the other hand, we've always been building uh, on our so-called Zinc analysis engine, which is actually the engine which takes all that raw data sources where all the logic is being embedded into, so that, for example, we get six, seven different data sources from a customer, then it goes into Zinc analysis engine, and that results into a ELP that actually reflects what the customer needs from a licensing perspective. Because a lot of uh, people in the SAM world will understand that there is a lot of data crunching to happen. And of course, the more you automate in there, the more effective and more quality you can deliver. And that has always been one of our major uh, yeah, products that we've been investing in with whatever margin we made, we reinvested into the company in order to further build upon the platform. Cool, okay. And um, announced very recently, um, you've been acquired by Software One. So yep. you've gone from a team of 40 to a team of what is it, 5,000 6,500. I'd love to know, you know, why Software One? Why now? Um, how's it going to work? And have you bought your Porsche yet? And <laughs> what's, what's, what's happening? One of the major questions that I had to answer over the last two weeks is, Richard, did, do you now go on pension? Did you buy a boat? And are you going just to sail away? Well, the answer is no. And li like somebody in my team said, even if Richard would do that, then he would still explain the name user plus and the processor definition to a fish in, this, in the, the big ocean. So you, you better not put him on a sail ship. And I think they're right. Um, but actually, the whole uh, reason why this acquisition happened is actually started already one and a half year ago. Because um, as part of our server delivery model, we already worked with a lot of partners across the globe in order to deliver our services to. And one of our partners was Comparex, uh, where we delivered a lot of services through uh, in the Netherlands. And we were actually one and a half year ago already discussing with them about how can we further expand our partnership in order to serve more customers across the globe through, let's say, the whole sales and, and, and customer base uh, from Comparex. But then obviously Comparex got acquired by Silver One, so those discussions were paused for a moment, and then when the whole reorganization happened between Comparex and Silver One, we further re-discussed that with the new management that was being put in place. And while we were talking with them um, about, okay, what their company is going to look like, what our vision is, we actually realized ourselves that what they actually have to offer in terms of the skill and the resources, think about the number of salespeople that they have, the number of customers that they can serve, help us as delay to convert from a 
very niche player into a global market leader. So that's one. Second of all, what we saw is that by combining the forces between them and ourselves, we believe that we can definitely strengthen each other's value proposition. Whereas Sovereign One historically has a very uh, large Microsoft advisory service practice, we have been focusing mainly on the Oracle, IBM, and SAP practices. So that's a natural fit in terms of services, but also into the solutions that we've been developing. Because you may be familiar with the Pyrex Cloud. Uh, platform that Sovereign One is heavily investing in and further developing in. And of course, if you look at what the Pyro Cloud solution is all about versus what we have been developing from the Zinc workflow and the Zinc analysis engine, there's actually a very good fit in there as well. Um, so given the fact that they have that from a solutions perspective and that vision, and we have that same vision, and the fact that we did see a huge uh, opportunity as well for the business, but also for the people in our team, and within the organization. And it was actually a very good fit between the two companies. Uh, and that after COVID got delayed, and then of course, uh, yeah, because initially it was already planned to happen in March, but then we had COVID and then all kind of stuff happened. But in the end, uh, two weeks ago, it was being concluded and then uh, the news was being made public. But like I said, the, the natural fit in terms, we are a small company, lack sales capacity. That's what Software One brings. We have developed IP like Zinc Workflow and Zinc Analysis Engine that is a very good fit with the solutions like the Pira Cloud that Software One has been focusing on. They have been mainly focusing or building up a huge uh, Microsoft practice where we've been focusing on Oracle, IBM, and SAP, and the opportunity to then further bring on our services portfolio to a global um, organization, so to say, because they operate in 80 different countries and serve 190 countries, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, that was just a very good fit. So could we could we unpick the what you meant about the Pyro Cloud a little bit? Because for people that are not familiar, my my idea, primitive idea of that is that it's helping you select cloud providers and optimum platforms. Is that, is that, how would you describe that? Yeah, so so of course there is still a lot of development ongoing on the Pyro Cloud solution as well. But um, one of the things that the Pyro Cloud solution is actually bringing towards customers is that it's one platform through which the vision is that customers can follow the complete sovereign life cycle from purchase to deployment to compliance reporting to remediation, etc. And for now, it has a lot of um, uh, dashboards in it where you can see, for example, your purchase of the records, your cloud consumption. But the whole vision is, is to combine that together with our uh, IP that we've been developing in order to make it a complete platform. Oh. Very, very cool. So I guess from my end, uh, so I am actually really interested to know how Software One is an Oracle reseller and Belay will work together in all of this. Um, mm -hmm. Where in the where in the past it, it you know, Belay was an advisory kind of like a, let us help you stand up to these big publishers. Now Belay is integrated with a company going into the future that that often acts as a as a uh, partner for these big software publishers, right? Like Oracle specifically. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious mm -hmm. how that that dynamic changes or doesn't change with regard to Belay joining Software One. Yeah. So, and uh, apart from the question about, Richard, did you buy a boat and are you going to sail away? <laughs> that's a number of questions that I got a lot over the last couple of weeks. Um, so let me first of all be clear 
nothing is going to change from that perspective because obviously we do all understand that Sovereign One also has a resale part of the organization. But the Sovereign One organization is actually organized into two separate business units from that perspective, the resale part and the services part. And the services part is even from an IT system separated from the resale sales organization, so to say. So uh, the, the people that have a commercial interest to do a resale do not even have access to the IT systems that we will be making use of during our service delivery. That's one. And of course, that is the first question that everybody asks, because that was also the first thing that I was thinking about when we made the decision about, okay, is this going to be a good move? But the way we are or have been operating in the past, we will continue to deliver these kind of services and to stand up towards the big publishers and to support customers to remediate any compliance issues that we may have identified, to optimize that, to reduce their cost and to achieve cost avoidance and cost saving opportunities because for a couple of reasons. First of all, I've been on the dark side on the Oracle side, right? If I would go want to go back to making compliance positions in order to facilitate sales to do a big deal, I could also just go back to work. First of all, that's not what I'm going to do. Second of all, if I would not continue to deliver that quality of services in terms of explaining towards customers where their issues are coming from, explaining them what they can do in order to fix them and to reduce their financial exposure, then of course the reputation that I, together with the team, have been building up for the last 50 years is really go quickly very uh, is, is going away very quickly. I mean, we have a saying in the Netherlands, a re reputation comes by foot and goes by horse, meaning if you are going to let yourself be put into such a situation that actually the work that we are delivering from a services perspective would be supporting resale opportunities, yeah, then it's a matter of maybe a month and then I'm gone together with my team. So that's absolutely not going to happen. Um, we're even happy to put that also in contracts with customers to say, guys, this is how it's going to be organized. Um, so from that perspective, of course, the proof is uh, in eating the pudding, like they say, right? So, of course, we need to show that going forward as well. But I can guarantee that that is the way we will continue to operate because, like I said, our reputation would be jeopardized if we would not be doing so. Um, this is where customers are looking for. We're leveraging the whole let's say, capacity of the Sovereign One organization to further expand our services towards more customers, but never ever to support the resale. And even if a customer, let's say, we have done a compliance review and then there are issues identified and we remediated that and fixed that too much as possible, and there is in the end a demand from the customer where he says, hey, I want to have a quote, we would require from the customer to first get in writing that he wants us to engage with somebody else, being the resale part of Sober One, whoever that is, to support them with procuring those licenses. And then last but not least, that's of course a very good um, thing that we now can add to our portfolio as well. And we've been serving over the last uh, 12 years around four or 500 customers. We do now have uh, access to information of 55,000 customers across the globe. So if we need to support customers in terms of benchmarking of uh, pricing, or if we need to look at what specific interesting contractual terms needs to be applied in a customer situation in order to support them to defend them for audits or mergers and acquisitions or you name it, then we have that access as well that we can make part of our service deliveries. And uh, can I ask you about culture? Um, I remember Belay offices being quite a vibrant place with barbecues outside and yeah. 
uh, quite a friendly environment. And, and are you going to take some of that belay across to software one? Absolutely, absolutely. Because, um, of course, when we informed our team, the first thing that a lot of people in our team were, of course, afraid about, <clears throat> are we now going to be part of this big corporate and we were that small, nice family type of company? Uh, but the culture that we uh, have actually been developing in Belay is what we see in Software One actually as well. And also, although Software One has taken over the shares from Belay, um, we have a number of work streams that we're running right now. One of them is mainly focused on the culture. Uh, and what you see in there as well is that it's not about Software One tells us what we're going to do. No, Software One and Belay are actually, from that perspective, merging. Of course, it's not a merger, but in, in terms of how we operate, in terms of where we learn from each other about what worked well in our company, what works well in their company, how can we take the best of both worlds. Uh, so for example, as a nice side joke, um, you may have seen, uh, I think, uh, Martin, uh, pictures of our office in Romania. Uh, I think parts of the furniture of Romania is, is going to be shipped over to the Software One uh, office in Romania in order to keep that in there, uh, but also in terms of organizing um, uh, parties and a beer after the, after the week on Friday afternoon. That kind of stuff we will just continue to have because for us it's really important to keep the culture and the team uh, spirit as we've been building it up because that has been the key for us to be successful over the last years and that would of course be a very big um, um it would be stupid let me say like that uh, to just let that go because that's where we've been building on and that's what's being embraced by the silver one family as well Something I remember as well is that you all have, and this is not Belay thing, obviously, but this is a more of a Northern Europe thing, is that the whole team has lunch together um, now and again. I don't know if it's every day, but it's certainly, and maybe Software One in the Netherlands does that too, but it's just a lovely culture, I think. When That, that was my memory of visiting Belay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that, and that remains as is. And that's in Romania the same. Uh, so in Romania, the team also typically has lunch together. Uh, we've always been organizing their lunch, so there's good food, uh, main course, a starter, and a, and a dessert. Having that moment to just relax or to socialize, but also to just having the opportunity to talk about all kind of stuff that is happening over the day. And that's really important for the, yeah, for the team building, especially because I think everybody on this call agrees, uh, if people think that in the SAM space you can do it completely on your own, you will never be successful. It's always a team effort where different people with different skills and different perspectives need to work together in order to achieve the best results for our customers. Well said. So to what extent is this a bit of a, is going to herald a slight change of direction in terms of your market and your, your business, your route to business? Because I know Belay has done quite a bit of white boxing for, for various large service integrators and things like that, whereas Software One feels like it's a much more end-user, consumer-facing organisation. So mm -hmm. how, how is that sort of sat in terms of, of the acquisition and how you'll no. continue to operate? Yeah, so all our existing partnerships that we've been operating in will just remain to exist as they are. Uh, mm. So nothing is... Um, from a uh, organizational perspective, uh, the management team of Belay will manage the services organization for EMEA with a supporting role to the rest of the globe. Because, of course, in Belay, uh, we didn't only deliver into uh, the Netherlands or EMEA, but also thanks to the item review, we have customers in Australia, we have customers in North America. Well, 
almost, I don't want to say every country in the, in the world, but a lot of countries across the globe. Uh, and we will continue to support all those customers as well, uh, even if they're not part of India. Um, so from that perspective, there's nothing changing in there. And what do you think of the, the current market? Um, you know, you've, you've joined a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar company and a, a growing proportion of their revenue is no longer license sale, it's going to services and cloud delivery, cloud execution and so forth. Um, how do you see the market developing? What, what, what are the prospects of? Yeah, so I, I see a couple of trends happening right now. So the first big trend push that we see almost across every industry is that a lot of customers are now proactively themselves reaching out to companies like ourselves to determine what they can do to achieve cost savings. Because a lot of companies are, because of the COVID situation, of course, there is an economical crisis coming afterwards. I mean, we've seen it all in the news, big companies uh, that need to fire X amount of people in order to stay financially healthy. So a lot of the bigger companies are actually running a lot of cost saving programs in order to uh, see what they can achieve this year and next year. Uh, so we see quite a lot of demand from customers reaching out proactively about this, which is positive. Uh, on, okay, what can we do in order to achieve cost savings? Mm. At the same time, what we see is that a lot of companies are, because of the economical situation as a result of COVID, they are putting a pause on their new investments. So, for example, transformations to the cloud may be delayed because people just want to save the money right now to uh, preserve for, for worse times in the future, so to say. Uh, or you do see uh, uh, a number of my customers have made a selection to go for an, uh, an ERP implementation from SAP instead of Oracle, and that was planned to happen this year, but that is now being postponed for the next two years. So the big IT projects, transformation to the cloud, or setting up or moving to a new ERP system, typically you see that a lot of the end users are delaying that just because of the economical situation as a result of COVID. Now, my expectation is, and I see it happening already in certain countries, is that publishers are, because of that, starting more audits. Because, of course, the publishers, yeah, are, they need to make their numbers, and if they're not making their numbers, then, of course, the old-fashioned audit is a way to create a commercial momentum in order to see if they can close a deal. So I do see already now in certain countries an uptake in audits, uh, especially from SAP, Oracle, and IBM, I would say. Uh, but my expectation is, is that's going to come up as well in the next period of this year. Uh, because what you saw in the beginning of the COVID situation, publishers were rather, let's say, reluctant, and everybody was just, okay, let's just be decent, so to say. But of course, the longer it takes, the more difficult it is going to be for the sales guys from the publishers as well to reach their targets. And then, yeah, we all know there is one way of filling that gap is by starting audits. And we see that happening already right now as well. Yeah. So, so just, I agree completely um, with that assessment of the situation, Richard. On a slightly different note, it feels like our industry is starting to consolidate. There's been a number of significant takeovers or acquisitions in the last few years. You know, Livingstone particularly has, has acquired a couple of businesses. Uh, you've now gone to Software One. There was another acquisition in Australia recently. Yep. What's, what's, what do you feel is driving that consolidation? Um, I think what is driving that consolidation is uh, twofold. Well, I do think that the bigger companies do understand or start to understand 
that there is actually a business to run in managing software licenses, right? Let's face it, uh, when I started 10 years ago at Oracle, or longer ago, even 16 years ago, nobody was really looking into SAM or managing their licenses. It was just something that you bought and that was it. And then there were auditors coming in. And if you compare it to where we are right now in the industry, then of course there has been a huge movement in terms of people really looking into it. And I think the bigger companies actually start to understand as well that there is actually a business to run out of these kind of services. So that's one. Second, I do think that uh, if you look at the industry, is that um, a lot of the larger players would really need specific expertise, very detailed knowledge, in order to really complement their service portfolio. I mean, I've seen it with other big players, I won't call names, but big players that also really called out about, okay, we deliver SAM, but if you then started to look under the hood about what is it really about, mm. then I started to be to cry about, okay, if this is SAM, I can also give you an Excel and say you're compliant, but it doesn't mean you're, it's true, right? Um, so I do think as well that uh, apart from the fact that bigger companies do see that there is a business to make out of software asset management or software license management. At the same time, there is an acknowledgement in the market that the level of detail and knowledge that you actually need in order to make it into a real quality service that supports the customer's interest requires niche players like ourselves to be added into those bigger companies to really make it happen. Because the bigger firms, how big they are or how much money you can spend on it, if you don't really know the details, and I think everybody in this call knows the devil is always in the details. Mm. If you don't know that, absolutely, yeah. what one one little thing that you may miss can have a huge impact financially for a customer. I mean, yeah. in my Oracle days, I won compliance cases of more than fifty million dollars on one word on a contract. Mm. But yeah, if you miss that, yeah, it's a bit of a yeah. biggest. So to what extent, Richard, do you feel that the consolidation that our industry is going through opens up space for new businesses and for new entrepreneurs to start providing niche SAM services? And what advice would you give to a young entrepreneur in our industry who, who wants to build a business in the way that you've done over the last 15 years? Great question. Um, does, it, does it open up opportunities for other niche players? Uh, I do think so. Uh, and I think if you look at the whole market and, and how big the market is and how much there is still to be done, there is also enough space for other entrepreneurs to start up their business. Um, so from that perspective, I definitely do think that the market is still big enough and there is still enough to do for other entrepreneurs in order to um, yeah, set up a business, so to say. The advice I would, however, give them is um, don't underestimate what it takes in order to really make it uh, an effective business. And what I mean with that is that uh, personally, I always believed into delivering high quality of service is what you should aim for. Because if you just want to give in on the quality of your services, then it may go right for a little while. But at a certain moment, you will just be... Uh, confronted with it and I don't think that is a situation you would want to be in that's one uh, second of all the amount of time that you need to spend in there in order to really make it happen uh, you need to have a very uh, big bag of energy so to say to make it happen I'm always a guy that shows a bit of the, the item review uh, or training presentation that I have that 
I'm just passionate about what I'm doing, but you really need to have that passion and that drive and the energy to make it happen. Uh, because although sometimes people think on the outside, uh, having your own company is just only uh, glitter and glamour and just fantastic, there's also just a lot of hard work in order to make it happen. Very cool. Well, it's been a pleasure working with you as Belay, and I hope that continues in the future. It's been great working with you, and uh, congratulations on the acquisition. Thank you so much, Martin, and uh, no worries. The partnership, as we've had established over the past, will remain uh, from that perspective, so we can definitely continue to work with, uh, with, with, uh, with each other on that. No worries. And Richard, being vulgar, you do have to give us an answer to the question. Is it a boat? Is it a Tesla? Is it a Jag? Is it a Ferrari? I'm still driving in a Toyota IQ, and I will remain driving in that for quite a couple of years. You're a better man than I am. Well done. You know, you know what it is? I'm not even worthwhile a big car. A Toyota IQ is perfectly fine. It's a very small car. I think, Martin, you've seen it, right, uh, in front of our office. It's very small. does the trick. It drives me from A to B. It keeps me dry when it rains. That's all I need. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>